love that. Hey, everyone, my name is Greg. I forgot to say that earlier, and I'm one of the pastors here at Four Corners. This is Pastor Ben, who's new on staff. We just hired him this week. <laughs> really glad you could come on board, Pastor. And yeah, be glad, with. Now, this is Ben. He's our lead pastor, and um, uh, he's a great guy you're going you're gonna to love today. It's a great day to be here, not only because you got an extra hour of sleep, and not only because we're doing a little more worship today, starting a little bit earlier. Um, it's a great day to be here because today you're going to hear about a lot of things that have been in the works for a very long time. Um, some really exciting plans that have been working in the background. Some of you are a little bit aware of some of the things that I'm talking about. Others of you, if you're newer, this might be a complete and total surprise to you. But over the last few weeks, we've been doing this message series called Build Lives. And it really is, for us, a message series that's about God working in our own hearts and building us to be the kind of men and women and students and kids that he's called us to be. But it's also about a building that we're working on and working towards. We are in the process of getting ready to start building on and working in a new facility. We've been mobile now for seven years as a church, and it's been a terrific seven years, but it's been a mobile seven years, right? Yeah. And um, throughout the course of the last seven years, we've been in a few different places. This is the second time we've met in the Rave Theater. Way back early in 2004, uh, during our first year, we met here. And then later, we moved to Lakota West High School, which was a terrific place to have church. Then we moved to an older church building over in the, kind of the old side of Westchester. Old Westchester. And um, we met at this older church building for a few years, and now we're back here for Rave 2.0. This is a show of hands. Let me get a feel for the crowd. How many of you have been here since, um, it only started coming since we've been back in the Rave here the last few weeks? Any any show of hands? That's good. How many of you have been here since we were over at Zion? Maybe you started, yeah, there you go. How many of you since Lakota West High School? Wow. A few oldies. How many since Rave 1.0? Wow. Any since when we were meeting at CHCA before we were even a church? Any? Wow, some yeah, oldies. Yeah. You guys are super old. I can tell. Some <laughs> of you didn't have gray hair then, but now you do. <laughs> well, this thing, uh, this thing called Four Corners has been a dream of Ben and mine uh, since we were young. We are brothers, if you didn't know that. Ben's about 15 years older than me. <laughs> he obviously did not get the looks. Uh, but anyhow, um, it's been a dream of ours for a really long time. I remember, I didn't tell you I was going to share just a really brief story. I know I, I'll take all the time probably. But um, when we were little, Ben and I, we grew up in church in southeast Tennessee. And it's really been our life since we were just young kids. Our parents were always very involved in church. And we used to play church at home. That's how messed up we were. We not only went to church, but we'd come home and we'd play church. So we were at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival nights, cleaning nights, mother-in-law nights, didn't matter what nights. We were always there. And, uh, but we used to play church. Anyhow, I think we just loved it. And when we were little, do you remember the roles? You always were kind of like in charge. You were like, let's play church. And we'd all have to stop what we were doing and play church. What, you remember what you used to always get to do? I was always the preacher. You were always, remember what you made me do? Greg was, we grew up in a church where we, and we as a church today believe this, where you would pray for people that were sick or going through challenges. So Greg was always the guy that had the challenges, and I would get to pray for him. (laughs) I got prayed for all the time. I've been delivered from so much stuff. It's amazing what he's been delivered from. From the time I was very little, uh, all kinds of deliverances. You should let me share my testimony sometime. It's, It's the best testimony you've ever heard. That's true. Well, it's this true. has been a dream uh, for a long time to get together with a bunch of people like you guys and uh, just do life together. And knowing that a big part of doing life together is 
our own spiritual attentiveness and our own spiritual growth. And we wanted to create a place uh, with a bunch of people like you where we could come together and just grow uh, into the men and women that God wanted us to be. And that's what we've been doing now for seven years. But it's kind of challenging sometimes to do it in a mobile environment. There are certain limitations about being mobile that are uh, difficult to handle sometimes. There's some good things about it, some bad things about it, but we're really looking forward to the next few months to see what God's going to do with this congregation, with this church body in the greater Cincinnati area. And so today, we're going to share with you some things that you probably haven't seen before, some visuals of some of what the new facility might be like, look like, feel like, And we're going to base it, though, in a story that we've been looking at in the Bible for the last few weeks around the life of a guy named Moses back in the Old Testament because this is really where the church began. There was a group of people that were called out by God to really be the foundation of this thing called the church, the ecclesia, which would be the movement that would change the world from way back in those days to just after the time of Christ when it was really congealed and formed through this guy named Peter all the way up to today and what we're doing right here in the greater Cincinnati area. But we want to go back to that story. So if you have your Bibles, open them, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, we'll be having a healing line a little bit later for you to get deliverance from not bringing your Bible to church. I'll be praying uh, for you. I'm going to switch roles with Ben, and uh, it'll be good. But open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, of course, like always, the words are going to be on the screen behind us. And while you're getting ready, I'm going to let Ben kind of set up the story for you, and then we're going to read these few passages together and talk some today. Uh, we're, we're in Joshua chapter 1 again, and the, the situation here is, is special because this group of people that have been called out of Egypt and called into something special, they're standing literally on the bank of a river. And on the other side of that rather, relatively narrow river, they can see God's promise for them. It's called the promised land. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. It's the land where God said to Abraham years ago, I'm going to raise you guys up and make you into a great nation. And through the whole of the world, through all the world, they're going to be blessed because of what I'm going to do in and through your life here in this place. It it was a, a land of significant promise. It was a land where people would experience all that God had for them. And that's why, by the way, theologically, this story is the beginning of the church. Just like God would bless all the world through Abraham's family, Moses is a descendant of that, God said to the church, I will bless the entire world through what I'm going to do in a group of people called my church, a movement much bigger than a building. So Moses had led these folks out of Egypt, and for 40 years they wandered around the desert as God got them out of Egypt and got Egypt out of them so that when they got into the new place, they could experience all that God had, be all that he wanted them to be, and bless the world. Moses has gone on now to be with God, spend eternity with him, without actually experiencing all the blessing that God had for him on this earth, right? Without experiencing all the the, the benefits of the promised land. And a new guy has been raised up. His name is Joshua. And Joshua was in a very special position, not unlike what we're in today in very real sense. He can actually see the blessing. He can actually see what God has. The form of the promise, the tangible form of that is as clear as it's ever been. I mean, they know that it's not really about the land. The land is simply going to be the place from which the ministry is going to happen. The blessing of the world, the experiencing all that God has for them, that's going to be the place from which it happens. But it's very much connected to the promise. And something special has gone on that I don't know, even if you've been a student of the Bible, this may have eluded you. But the promised land included land that they were currently standing on, on the side of the river that they were on. In fact, 
one-fourth, 25% of the 12 division groups that made up this nation of 2 million people or so, one-fourth of them were currently standing on their promise. Their piece of the land was on that eastern side of the river. And three-fourths of them had yet to experience their promise on the other side of the river. Because on the other side of the river, the western side, was where all these other groups of people were that were currently inhabiting the land that this family used to inhabit years ago that they've come back now to claim. So they were somewhat divided, and yet they could see the promise. And here's Joshua as a new leader. What would you say to a group of people who some of them have already experienced what they believe and what they've been hoping for from God. They've already, they're there. They are in the promise. Over half of them, three-fourths of them, have not yet experienced it. And on top of that, there's been all these transitions over the last several months as new leadership has stepped up, as new, new challenges have made themselves present, as people have become aware that it's closer than it's ever been, and yet there's a mountain yet to tackle. What would you say? To that group of people. Well, this is the exact scenario of the passage we're looking at today in Joshua chapter 1. Greg? Yeah, so in verse 9, this is God talking to Joshua, really trying to get him to pull himself together and to get this thing going for the, the other three quarters of the people, like Ben said. So here's what God says to him. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is, by the way, Greg, like the fourth time when you read the story of the children of Israel where God reaffirms, he says it the first time to Moses at the burning bush, I'm going to be with you. Listen, the primary thing you need to know, Moses, is no matter what you face, I'm going to be with you. Let the knowledge that I'm going to do this with you adjust everything you see. Let it adjust your perspective. Let it adjust your reality. And here's new leadership, and God is reaffirming you can be strong and courageous, not because you got it all figured out, not because the challenge has already been surmounted. You can be strong and courageous because I'm with you. Yeah, so, so the next verse is, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in, uh, you'll cross the Jordan here to go into and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, so this is God, what he said to the people earlier, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan River. So this is the group that's going to stay there where they already are, and, and the promise that they've already received, they're already getting to be part of the inheritance. But all of your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. So part of the 25% has got to go ahead to this west side of the river to do something. You're going to go there to help them until the Lord gives them rest, until he gives the other people rest, as he's done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, a servant of your Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. So he, he, here's the deal. Emotionally, I'd like you to just try to understand where they are. They're in, a, in this unique situation of new leadership, clear promise, real challenges, 
And at least one out of four of them might even be asking the question, well, we're already there. We've already experienced what God has for us. We're already in the land of promise. The rest that we've been offered after years of wilderness wandering, 40 years in the desert, no real place to call home. We, we're home now. What, what do you do when you're the leader like Joshua and you're trying to get people to see? Here's a deep spiritual truth. You ready for this? It's not just about you. It's not. In, in fact, the best-selling book of all time outside of the Bible called The Purpose Driven Life. I don't know what you think about that. It's really irrelevant. But the first line contains an awful lot of truth. It says, it's not about you. Now, this is a challenge because everybody that had made the journey for the next, for the last 40 years knew intuitively it was certainly about them. I mean, the reason they got up in the morning and unpacked or packed back up their tents and and in the evenings, you know, got everything ready to rest again. The reason they got up every day and moved forward had the battle, struggled through the challenges, the very difficult task of moving their families forward was one day to experience the rest. That's the word that simply means all that God has for you. It's connected to the Hebrew word shalom for peace. And it means peace in all the areas of your life. Peace, literally rest in the sense of physical, but spiritual and emotional, relationally with people. Rest with God, peace with God. What, what are you going to do when they're already there and yet you know as a leader, three-fourths, a, a portion of the crowd isn't big enough to go do all that God has. And that some people, when they're satisfied, when they've gotten what they think they need, they're not going to give, they're not going to work, they're not going to sacrifice like they did when it was really just for them. And then as a pastor like me, you realize that a lot of us, this is true for me, so no, no shame in this. I move closest to God. I am most aware of my need for God and his plan for my life when I'm driven, not by what God wants me to do to help you, but I'm driven by my own sense of need. The gap between where I'd like to be and where I am right now. The challenges that are, when I experience my own personal stuff, that's when I'm most compelled to move forward. We've talked as a leadership team a little bit about this, that one of the challenges for Four Corners is gonna be very similar to the challenge right here. For a lot of you, for a lot of us, this journey of the last seven years, it's been challenging, it's been difficult, but it's pretty sweet too. And the truth is, is we could continue to do this for like 20 more years, honestly. We can be a pretty good church for like 20 more years without making major changes. I mean, if church is really just about getting together and singing some great worship, and just a real quick shout out to the band. You guys blew me away today. God used you guys to just recharge my batteries after a week that was a little draining. So major shout out to you. But uh, if, if church was just about that, if it was just about paying the bills, we're done. <laughs> we're there. We've been there from day one. We, we've been able to do church if it's really about this from day one. And yet all of us know that have been around for a while. We believe we're compelled that it really isn't just for us. And so we've been deeply excited. I mean, at the core of our being excited 
to start dreaming and seeing the dream with greater clarity from a position we've never been in before, a position to actually step across the river and experience it. And we know that it's not about the building. It's not about the land. It's about this amazing place from which God is gonna do remarkable stuff. Of course, in us, of course. But man, through us, if you look at the demographics of this area, I'll share some of that with you next week. But well over three-fourths of the people that live within a 20-mile drive time of this exact facility and the facility we were going to, well over three-fourths don't attend church on a monthly basis. Now, I don't know where they are with God ultimately, but that says something about their understanding of their connection with God. We don't think that that's an acceptable number. We think that God would like to have churches in this area that so live out the mission of Jesus, so have a profound sense of community where life change is normally happening. It's not rarely happening. It's normally happening. And the name of Jesus is being made famous in this area that people begin to ask when they have their challenges, where can I go and experience God? We think that God wants to raise up churches like this one so that when people ask that question, they go, oh, I'm gonna go there. And when couples get married and have their kids and they think, I should probably raise my kids in church. And they should, of course, that's the most obvious thing they should do, that they think about our church and other great churches in the area. And when marriages are struggling and they realize that for a long time, they've been having God on the back burner in their individual lives. And it's now time to move them to the front burner of their marriage and in their individual lives. We want them to think about our church because in our church, they can meet Jesus the risen son of God who still changes lives. And so we spent all kinds of time thinking about what could this building look like? We wanna show you guys some pictures and just kind of talk through it. Now, the building that we're looking at is located at exit number 27, right off Liberty Way, which is a great name for a road to be next to a church. (laughs) I mean, that's just a great name for a road next to a church, Liberty Way. And it's right off of I-75 and hundreds of thousands of people each week, like a trillion, pass by that, that location. And they're gonna see a bright backlit sign that says Four Corners Church. And they're gonna have needs and challenges. They don't necessarily know what's on the inside, but they're going to have had opportunity to see advertisements and experience people from within our church they don't know exactly what they're going to experience on the inside, but we want to show you a little bit about what that might like, look like. So, Greg, why don't you walk us through some of these pictures? Yeah, uh, the first picture you're going to see here is one you might have seen when we were back at Zion Global, but this picture is representative of what the first steps into the building will look like. This is the general lobby area. So instead of walking into a facility like we have here where there's the smell of popcorn and some movie uh, announcements, and hopefully you're going to run into one of our terrific greeters. It's going to feel like home to us, and it's going to be brightly lit. It's going to feel very modern, and all the things that someone needs to feel very welcome when they're coming to church for the first time, and they're scared, and they don't know where to go or who to talk to or if we're going to be accepting, it's going to feel very natural and normal for them just to walk into this lobby. It'll be the best lobby we've ever had. If you were with us over at Zion Global, if you thought the lobby at the rave was bad, that <laughs> lobby was horrible. It was like a two-foot-by-two-foot two area, yeah. and um, it was just tight and crowded, and we're not going to have any of those constraints when we go over to this new facility. The next picture you're going to look at is just kind of like a little information area where if you're a first-time guest uh, or newer and you haven't plugged in yet to a small group or a serving group and you don't really know anyone's name yet, 
there'll be a special place where you can go and begin to look at different ways that you can get connected into one of the ministry areas in the life of our church. Maybe it's on a serving team to go out into the community to do some service projects or to get on something like uh, the worship team or one of the kids' teams. But be very clearly marked, easy, accessible, very, uh, very normal for people to just go up and be able to get plugged in and connected to the life of our church. Then this next photo is the inside of another church building that is constructed in a way similar to at least the way we're going to do our lobby. Just some seating areas that are more feeling like a living room um, with couches and chairs and seating areas so that not only first and second and third time guests can come in and feel comfortable, but so that you can as well. So that if you want to get to church a little bit early or stay at church a little bit late like you don't get to do now, you can hang out with some people, sit down, have conversations. Maybe your small group will get together on some Sundays as well and talk about what you talked about Wednesday in your small group. Or you just sit down and hang out with your family and your kids, and maybe you'll have some snacks together. There's a real cozy environment where there's good seating for you to hang out and enjoy some community uh, outside of just worshiping together, really experiencing some community together, building friendships and relationships that will go outside the walls of the, uh, of the church. Greg, the next picture shows just a similar, a uh, different angle of the same room, but this transitional space from outside to inside the church is huge. It's where people begin to have that first impression of what is this church really about? Do, do I need to figure out all the customs and all the norms and know when to stand, when to sit, when to, you know, when to do the sign? What, what do I need to do? And this first space is going to communicate our heart all along, which is, we hope you hurry, but if you're not ready, you can pursue God at the pace you think is right. Now, at some point, we believe the Holy Spirit is already involved in that, and he'll accelerate people. But our job is to simply make people feel comfortable wherever they're coming from, and to let them know with clarity the uncompromised message of the Scripture, which is, God wants a relationship with every person. And to let them know that in part by the friendliness and the warmth with which they experience our first you know, few steps into, into our facility and their first few encounters with our folk. Here, here's another picture of that lobby area again, just giving you a sense of multiple seating areas, people able to sit around, talk, chat. If you bring a friend, they're not hurried and hustled through a line to get to, but they, there's time for them to just relax, take a deep breath, make some coffee enjoy themselves, let their guard down a bit. And there's ample room, I mean, like 40 feet wide and over 100 feet long of room to just move in. We know this, that people need to have a sense of belonging before we ever ask them to do anything or believe anything. They have to believe that we like them and accept them right where they are in order for them to believe that maybe God has something for them that possibly they haven't even considered yet. They have to believe that while we don't have an agenda, God does. And it's okay for him to have one. In fact, it's the right thing for him to do because he's God. That's the definition, right? You're God. You can do what you want. And I'm not, which means I kind of need to follow you. We want them to experience that from a group of people that would say, who are we to put an agenda on you? All we know to do is tell you our story and to tell you what God's word says with clarity and without compromise. That's a foundational truth of this church and will never change. Clarity without compromise and the most accepting environment you've ever been in. We want things like the murals on the walls and the seats on the carpet and the warm and open bathrooms and the toilets that don't rock when you sit on them. 
about you some Vine ladies. You know what that's like, right? And uh, Something with some flush power, too. Some flush I don't know power would, anyone else. Would, would be amazing. Yeah. And, and we want everything to say to them, this is a place where you can, at the pace God is energizing in you, you can connect with him. Yeah, one of the things Ben mentioned that if you've been around for a while, you probably know is the, one of the heartbeats of what we're all about. I just want to spell it out clearly. One of the things that distinguishes us, at least from some churches, not all, there are some other great churches here in this area and around the country, but a lot of churches that I've been part of in the past, they ask you to believe kind of what they're about or what they believe in before you can really belong to them or be part of the community. So you've got to kind of believe first. Then you've got to start behaving the right ways. You've got to act like them, act like a Christian, do the right things, get involved in get your the life right together. Yeah, you got to get it all together. And once you believe and once you behave, then you can really belong. That's really when you get to be part of the in crowd or the circle where you don't feel like you're just a visitor every week. We, for seven years, have been intentional about that not being true at Four Corners. In fact, when we met early on before we ever became a church and we were sitting in your kitchen with me, you, Ryan Hartsock, and a couple other people, Andy Ryder, we talked about not doing that. We wanted to be the kind of church where you could come and belong no matter where you're at, whether you're following Jesus or not, whether you have a life that needs to be completely transformed or not, if you're an alcoholic, if you are pregnant and a teenager and not married, if you're divorced, if you're on drugs, whatever the case may be that when you go to other churches you really know you're not in, we didn't want that to be true at Four Corners because it's not true in our hearts. We we love people, and the core of our church loves people just where they're at. So at Four Corners, you can belong before you ever have to believe or behave. And we know that over time, if you'll hang around, come to Sunday mornings, get involved in a small group, that you'll begin to believe some of the truths of the Scripture that are presented clearly by Pastor Ben every Sunday morning and clearly in learning groups throughout the week. And once you begin to believe, some of those beliefs, those truths that you, you begin to take hold of will begin to transform your life and your behaviors will start to change. But it's a foundational truth. And this new facility, we want to represent that truth. And we want people, when they walk in, to know that we love them just where they are. And there's no expectation from us that they change. There might be expectations from God. But we're going to love them right where they're at. And this yeah. church, this new facility is going to show that. The next picture you're going to see is... Uh, my favorite area. This is where the adults will do their worship. It'll be our uh, theater. Uh, this is where the band will uh, lead us in worship every single Sunday morning, uh, and maybe some other dates as well, maybe Saturday nights or whatever we have to do. It's well, where, for the first time, we'll actually be able to consider that. Yeah. Even when we were at Zion, people thought that was our building, but we only had it Sunday morning, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. And even on Tuesday night and Thursday night, we didn't have full control. So we're actually going to be able to, for the first time, have a 24-7 facility that whatever God puts on our hearts to do, we can, without having to go, now what's the extra cost? And what do we need to pay for here? And how do we need to leave it when we leave? We can do it because it'll be, in one sense, ours uh, for the glory of yeah, God. Yeah, we'll have an opportunity to do, you know, regular worship concerts if we want to do that. It's something that we've done a few times as a congregation. We'd like to do more. It's just it's hard to rent out a movie theater on a Friday night. They don't usually, uh, they don't usually let you do that. No. No, and uh, this is going to seat somewhere between 900 and 1,000 people. It's going to have some uh, riser seatings around the edges. kind of feel like a bowl-shaped thing. You can kind of get a feel from that picture there. This next picture is a shot from kind of the back towards the stage. Uh, all the things that we could do if we weren't mobile that you got to see a, a small taste of when we were at Zion Global, 
with some better video, some better sound, some better lighting, uh, we'll be able to do on a more regular basis. Not to be cool and not to be uh, kind of the, the young, hip church, but to really highlight the gospel of Jesus that's going out and to bring kind of the, the icing on the cake to that so that the experience is just as excellent and just as rich and just as powerful as the message itself. Yeah, one of the things that's cool as you're looking at this, you might be thinking a thousand seats, oh, do we need that? But remember, we exist not just for us. We can save a lot of money, friends, and build a church just for us. You know, the frozen chosen, as I like to call it. You know, those that are already in. We could do that. And yet we wouldn't be true to theologically true and missionally true to the call of the church. When God t- sent Israel into their promised land, you may not know this, but he told them, you're to welcome, you're to invite everybody around you to be a part of what God's doing. You're supposed to have, as it were, all kinds of adopted kids. You've got to have excess to take care of the others who come in that don't have. It was part of the promise. I'm going to bless the entire world. They never got it right. Jesus comes along and reinitiates the original promise and says to the church, you will go from this place to the next place to the next place and ultimately around the entire world till everybody gets a chance to experience what God has for them. So we have to, to be theologically accurate and missionally pure, build bigger than we need right now in the belief that if we're true to what God wants to do in us and we don't do what most churches do, gravitationally shift from a focus on outsiders to a focus on just us, that's what most churches do, we have to believe that if we'll be true and instead of just focusing on us, we will in fact send our mighty men and families will sacrifice in order to have everybody else experience the blessing of God. If we'll do that, we have to believe that God will send us more people. So a thousand seats, I, I think is the bare minimum. I think it's a faith-stretching, bold, audacious goal. We're going to do it over three phases. Phase one doesn't even include the auditorium you've seen. Phase one includes some other great space you're going to see in just a minute that really is the heartbeat of, of this church. Yeah, this next photo is the thing that will get you really excited if you're a nerd. This shows you a little bit of some of the tech stuff that uh, we already do fantastically as a church, but we'll be able to do it even better so that the worship experience and the clarity of the preached work can go out in just a fantastic way. And then this next slide shows you just one of the side seating areas that, or or back seating areas uh, that are kind of on the slant or on the slope so that everyone can have a good view of what's going on from the stage. And then finally, this next shot here of the auditorium is a side shot that shows you the widest view we could capture of what the facility might feel like once you get inside the auditorium. And then for those of you who uh, love staging and theater and design, that sort of stuff. This final picture of the adult auditorium is just kind of a close-up of the stage and uh, what that'll look like with some video stuff and lighting and all that sort of good stuff. Now, this church has been uniquely poised. You know, the God has great churches all over the city, all over the world, but God has uniquely poised us. We have been blessed with people with families. Now, I know that not everybody here has like a family. Some of you aren't even married, and this is your church. So what I'm getting ready to say doesn't undo this. Don't feel alienated at all. But when you look at where there has been people growth over the last several years, primarily it has been people with families. And we started out with the basic assumption that said this, we would always be willing to spend money and never be ashamed to ask people to step up to serve in developing the next generation of believers. We think that for far too long, our enemy, Satan, the enemy of our soul has been too successful at grabbing hold of young folks' attention early on and planting seeds of destruction early on so that when they get older, middle school, high school, college, 
They don't even think sometimes about being involved with God and what God's agenda for their life could be like and what it would be like to walk with purity and honesty and integrity with him for the rest of their lives. We have decided as a church that we would give all of our hearts a lot of money and significant amount of time to making sure that wasn't true. Our model was this. We're gonna put an anchor in their soul so deep that when they hit middle school, high school, and college, they can only go so far. That, that's our operational model. And we don't apologize about that. Sometimes we get older people that come in like in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And sometimes they don't stay with us, even though we really need that wisdom in our congregation. Because honestly, at that stage, a lot of them are starting to go, I'm getting ready to retire. What's here for me? I can go fishing. What can you offer? I can go to my lake house. What can you offer? And we say, you might want to go to your lake house. There's a good church right there by the lake. Because with that heart, we can't receive your wisdom because you don't have much. What wisdom looks like when you're old is, honestly, if I can just be straight with you, what wisdom looks like when you're old, the Bible makes this perfectly clear. This isn't Ben. Just read the book of Proverbs. Read the minor prophets. What what wisdom looks like when you're older is, is you get heart set on making sure that whoever's coming after you, your legacy is about the right things. And that whether or not you leave some toys for your kids is one thing. But if you can't leave them a godly heritage for yours and everybody else God wants to bring to you, then you don't really have much to offer us. Go enjoy your RV, your lake house, whatever. That's just the Bible. That's not Ben, all right? And you can be mad at me all you want. Send those emails. It's awesome. Uh, You know, that's good. And I'll send you some passages and we can discuss. But at the end of the day, kids ministry is a big deal for us. We don't babysit kids. We don't. We don't babysit kids. We teach them about Jesus and the uncompromised truth of God's word on a level they can understand. It's a huge deal for us. It's why years ago, we started sending money to help kids around the world. We built a hospital in Africa where babies are gonna be born. We built wells in towns all over um, Uganda so that thousands of people every day have fresh water. Primarily the kids have fresh water so they can go to school and learn and actually experience what God has for them in this world and not be bound by the, the, the bonds of poverty. Last year, we built a church for a guy that has an orphanage and an unbelievable ministry to kids in Kerala industry. This year, as a part of Build Lives, we're partnering with him again to buy all kinds of, of stuff that they need to expand their ministry. And we're partnering with the Smoky Mountain Children's Home that receives kids from all over the world, all over the United States, and raises them with a biblical understanding and a biblical worldview so that they can experience. Kids is a big deal. So when you see these next few pictures, if Disney World comes to mind and you're like frugal, like I am a little bit, I'm not Dutch, but I should have been. Straight up. <laughs> I, I, it's the truth. You never notice, like, you can't talk about any other nationality, but when you call the Dutch, you know, tight, they're like, yeah, thank you. You know, anyway. It's a badge uh, of honor. It's a of honor so. <laughs> if you look at this and go, man, that looks expensive, you're exactly right. So here's our first picture. This is an entryway of some of the kinds of things we're going to do. Just get a sense a little bit there that when a kid walks in, they begin to think, man, this, this could be fun. Look at this next picture. This is like a nursery hallway down where the, like the early, early kids are very tactile and expressive and clear for them. Lots of animals and, and they can run their hands down the walls. We encourage that. You know, I've been to a church where they're like, don't get that on the floor. You know, somebody paid for that. We're like, yes, we did. And use it up because when you use it up, somebody else will pay for something again. And go ahead. We want you to break everything here. Not all at once, but we want you to use it up. That's kind of our mentality here. Go ahead and show the next picture here. 
you get a sense here, this is just for young kids. And then we have this 20-foot hallway that kind of connects all of our kids' spaces. And we're, we're imagining something like this next picture here, more of a city scene um, that you can get an, an idea of here. Doorways opening into very large and open spaces, very secure spaces. One-way mirrored glass so parents can stand on the outside and see what's going in. Kids can look and see themselves in a mirror and, and parents can get the sense that we are open because we are. And our agenda for their kids as we partner with parents is clear and obvious. And when they check a kid into a room, that's the room, like that's their space. And that's exactly where a parent goes if they need to pick up their kid. You get a sense of some of what the wall decorations look like on this next picture. Very young and youthfully oriented, using all of our culture that we can and holding it captive to the cause of Christ. This is what a little bit of the preschool area will look like on the next photo. I'm super excited. Seven years ago when we started this church, I had a pastor in the area say to me this. He said, Ben, listen to these words. He said, Ben, starting a church is tough. I'll just go ahead and tell you, you're probably, your, your kids are going to suffer. They're probably, just because of the amount of work, it, it's going to be one of those things where when they get older, they're probably going to drift away. Just, you know, begin praying now. And he was giving me his best advice about how tragic the experience of starting a church was going to be on my family. That lit a fire under me. It, it scared the bejesus out of me. And there was no way I was going to let that happen. So as best we can in every space we've been, we've spent tons of money and called forth the best in our people to spend their efforts and energies on building a legacy, not just for us, but for them and for the families they're going to have. I don't want my kids repeating the mistakes I made and I had a pretty good life. I don't want them. I don't want your kids experiencing whatever you had to go through in the, in the junk until they got clarity about God and their life got set right. I want them to have the best of the best. I want them to walk in and go, see you, mom and dad. I'm gonna be right here and have a great time. You go have fun wherever you're going in the boring place with all the seats. I'm gonna be right here with like this cool thing on the wall. I, that's what I want. I want every kid who thinks, like in every other church, like they gotta leave them crying at the door and you see the new mom, like, and, and we want every kid going, see ya, you know? Even like little kids, bye-bye mom. And they're happy right in this space. And honestly, environment has a lot to do with that. And the quality of people who serve have a lot to do with that. I know some of you are busy. Let me just give a plug for kids' ministry. I know you're busy. Do you realize, though, that every week you get served by literally dozens, almost to the matter of a couple hundred people who are just as busy as you? They've just decided that they're going to arrange their priorities differently. And they give, give, give of themselves. This last couple of weeks, I was reminded about one of the men who serves in our kids' ministry. We have men who serve in kids' ministries. A lot of churches don't. They just don't. And yet, these men, they love doing it. This guy, I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. I don't know if he's in the room. This guy just recently served as the head of the UC business school. And he serves a couple times a month in our kids' ministry. He does that because he believes that his life isn't simply about raising up kids in the Lindner's Honors Program at UC, which is primarily where he works. He believes his ultimate, ultimate heritage left in this world is going to be about the people he impacts for generations. So even when he's doing business, he's talking to those kids about doing something beyond just earning money. And he gives major hours to serve your kids and mine. And it makes a practical difference. So that seven years in, mobile church, I haven't been able to provide the best for my kids, major sacrifice for us personally. All of my kids start about Wednesday going, is it Sunday? And I keep saying to Jill, you need to teach them the days of the week, honey. Because, <laughs> but they start talking about church. I can't wait for their eyes when they walk down the hallway the first time and it looks a bit maybe like this next picture. You know, 
just the coolest, warmest, most kid-oriented environment. Here's what one of their theaters will look like, where they'll hear the message of Jesus with clarity and without compromise, and they'll sing great songs that'll lift their heart about God. Here's another one. Greg, you, you talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is just another, uh, the same type of rooms, and in the new uh, building that we're working on, there'll be four or five spaces like this for different age groups so that they can sit in age-appropriate worship and age-appropriate teaching in a safe environment where once they get checked in, they're there, but everything is provided for them, including restroom facilities and everything else that they'll need. And it'll be fun. It's a place they're going to want to go, and they're going to cry. Instead of crying when you bring them, they're going to cry when you have to pull them out of there. The next room is just, the next shot is just a picture of one of the build-outs that kind of looks like a, a movie theater, which would be kind of cool. Or I should probably say rave instead of majestic, yeah. but yeah. Uh, the next uh, picture you'll see is just one of the preschool rooms where arts and crafts can be done. Every week we do arts and crafts in a mobile way, but it's very limiting. We can't wait to see what some of the creative uh, volunteers in kids' ministry can do when they have a place where they can put some of their supplies that they can use on a regular basis so that we can do as much creative stuff with our kids as what's done in any school, uh, college prep school or otherwise, in, in the area. The next space is also just another preschool area, just a lot of fun things to, to play on, safe places for kids to fall and bang their heads and stuff like that. It would be great. Uh, another picture here is just another shot of a hallway. Our insurance guy just went, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, another shot of just a hallway of some of the, the exciting visuals that the kids will experience when they're hanging out in the area that's built just especially for them. So here's the thing. I wish you could walk like a month in my shoes. Um, not so you could appreciate more, but so you could see what I see. The unbelievable potential of this church. I get weekly communication from people that say, you may not know it, but this touched my life. God's working in my family this way. Pray for my kid about this. We have a need here. I would like for you to get a sense that Joshua was hoping the children of Israel would get as they stood on the west side of that river, or I'm sorry, on the east side of that river. The, the idea of, yeah, some of us have experienced significant things, but there's so much more. There's so much more. So next week, I'm gonna share with you some of the details around how we're gonna move from where we are to where we need to be. And then next Sunday night, we've asked you all to consider coming to this space at 6 p.m., giving us about an hour, hour and a half of your time, walking through it. It doesn't look anything like what we've shown you here. Walking through it, experiencing it, worshiping together, and beginning to go ahead and invite God to do whatever transformation he wants to do in us there. Don't ever believe the lie that says this church is about a building. We're not. We're about people here. We always have been. We always will be. We don't apologize for that. And yet we believe that God's calling us to a place to allow us to be about what we're about with greater intentionality and greater significance. We believe this will say to our community, we're serious now. Listen, we're serious. We're gonna put our time, our sweat, our money, our energy into this place so that you can come and experience, begin to experience what God has for you. And you can experience some of the rest in all of your life that he's called you to. We believe that that could change this Northern part of Cincinnati. And we believe that God has uniquely poised us to begin to do that. So I want you to come next week and hear about how and find out a little bit more of the details. Why don't you grab your connect card right now and let's take a few steps together. On the front of your connect card today, you'll notice that next steps A and B are written out for you. This is the heartbeat of us. We believe that getting people beginning in the relationship with God is essential. 
So it's a high priority for us to regularly ask people, hey, would you like to begin a relationship with Jesus, the risen son of God who says, you can have a relationship with God, not based on what you do, but on what God's already done for you. If you'd like to do that today, if you'll check the box, we'll be in contact with you, send you some information without obligation and give you an opportunity to begin talking with people and exploring what this could mean for you. Check next box, uh, next step A. And then if you want to get baptized and kind of go public with your faith, major celebration around here happening December 12th, I believe it is. Go ahead and check the box and uh, we'll get you lined up for the next one or sometime after that. But next step C, here's something I'd like for you to think about. Here's, what it, here's, here's how I've worded it. I'm going to pray and think about God using me to help others receive what he has for them. I'm going to pray about God using me to help others experience what he has for them. I want you to pray and think about that. Think about this idea of Joshua saying to the tribe of Ephraim, Manasseh, Reuben, Gad, those guys, saying to them, listen, I know we're already, your land's already been taken, you're home, but you gotta go and help us get other people. Think about what that can mean in your life. Here's next step D. I'm willing to pray about what provisions I'm to get ready. Did you hear when Greg read, there was that line, Joshua saying to him, now get your provisions ready. We're getting ready to get on the move. Listen, friends, this takes money. But in the words of our worship pastor, who gets us as good as anybody around here, it's only money. You ain't taking it with you. So next week, honestly, I'm gonna ask you to think about giving. No, I'm gonna ask you to give next week. I'm gonna ask you to take a few weeks and pray and think about what you could get ready to help us move and take the land for not just us, but for others. I wanna do that. And I'm not embarrassed to do that. I'm not ashamed to do that. I know some of you are wounded and hurt. I'm gonna ask God to heal you. I really am, because honestly, I'm not after your money, but I'm not at all embarrassed to ask you to give to make this happen. It's a God thing. It's not a Ben thing. Trust me. It's been bigger than me since the day we began. It really has. And I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't already done. All right, here's next step E. I'm gonna come Sunday, November 13, to the Build Lives Worship Celebration at 6 p.m. in the new facilities. You can bring your kids. You, you just have to hold on to them. We don't have facilities yet. It's not necessarily the cleanest, neatest place. So don't let them crawl on the floor. There's like dust balls everywhere. And uh, it's okay. You know, we're not gonna spend any money to clean it yet because we're, you know, we're just gonna hold that money till we can do the right things. So come though, bring your family. Let's worship together, pray together. And I'm gonna show you next week exactly how we're gonna move from A to Z on this thing. Let's pray and then let's sing another worship song together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you for being good to us. God, today we showed some pictures. I don't know if these pictures fully convey our hearts. So Lord, would you do what only you can do by your Holy Spirit? Would you remind us, God, that you were good to us? And God, I know that some of us are already there. We're feeling like we're comfortable. We're, we're happy. You're already at work in our lives. But God, would you, would you disaffect us? Would you make us uncomfortable? Not because of what's maybe even going on in our lives, but because you have always called your people to be not simply about them, but to be about what you're gonna use them to do in other people's lives. God, let the heartbeat of this church be your heartbeat. We saw it in the children of Israel. We see it in the book of Acts. God, let's see it here in Westchester and Mason and Liberty and Sharonville and Fairfield. God, let's see that same heart here. We give it to you in Jesus' name.